Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm author and journalist Laura Price, and you're listening to Life in Food, inspiring stories in bite-sized pieces. Each week, I interview a different guest about how food has helped them through some of their biggest challenges. With a different theme each week, we look at everything from food and love to food and friendship, food and fertility, and even food and grief. Now, regular listeners will know that I've been away, I've had a bit of a summer break, Um, Only it wasn't exactly a break because I was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer during that time. So I had intended to get back to making episodes of this podcast a little bit sooner, but it's been slightly delayed because my whole summer was basically thrown into disarray with hospital appointment after hospital appointment and basically learning to live with a whole new Um, condition and a new diagnosis and learning to work around that. However, the podcast is now back. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. This is an independently produced podcast. I contact all of the guests myself, do all the research and preparation myself. I then edit everything myself and put it out myself. Um, So as an independently produced podcast, it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, And for that reason, I'm also trying to write a second novel at the same time. And therefore, I've made the episodes fortnightly from now on. So that allows me to carry on for a little bit longer whilst sharing a new episode with you every two weeks. They will still be on Wednesday mornings. Um, and I've got the most incredible lineup of guests, um, for you with the next episode to come in two weeks time. But for this episode, I wanted to kind of go back to basics and talk to you a little bit about food and my life. I talked a little bit about it on the food and healing episode in season one, but this time I want to talk about the background of me, Laura Price, and who I am and how food has related to life and also to my new cancer diagnosis. I'm not a chef, I'm just an eater, but I've spent the last 10 years interviewing some of the best chefs in the world as part of my job when I was working for the world's 50 best restaurants and also speaking to ordinary people with extraordinary stories on this podcast. I was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time 10 years ago when I was 29 And I was recently diagnosed with stage four incurable breast cancer when I was 39. I'm now 40. 
But food has been inextricably linked to my experience with cancer and it was a huge part of my healing over the last 10 years. And it's now even more important to me as a tool for mental health and healing. So I wanted to talk about a little bit about that. When I was first diagnosed with breast cancer at 29 years old, one of my first thoughts was, what shall I have for lunch? I'd left the office a couple of hours earlier and I'd said to my boss that I'd be back by lunchtime. Now, I was working at Facebook, now Meta, in Dublin at the time. It was 2012 and it was one of those offices that is fully catered, full board. So the breakfast buffet was like the most incredible five-star hotel buffet you could possibly imagine with vegan sausages, vegetarian sausages, pork sausages, chicken sausages, 10 different types of eggs, five different types of porridge, three different types of pancake, all the fresh fruits that you could possibly imagine, oat milk, almond milk, cow's milk, goat's milk, everything you could possibly imagine. And then for lunch, there was a full spread of hot food. They had this incredible seared tuna that I loved. There was a panini stand where you could make your own sandwich. You could make your own salads. And then there was also dinner, which you could eat in the office or you could even take it home with you um, in compostable uh, containers. Um, I'm not going to lie. The food offering was definitely one of the reasons that I took that job. And it was something that I really loved. So anyway, I digress. I found the lump in my breast in January 2012 when I was on a surfing holiday in the northeast of Brazil. At that point, I was working as a financial journalist in Buenos Aires, though I later became a food journalist, which you can probably tell suited me better. I had a history of breast cancer in my family, so I knew it could be something serious. And as soon as I got back to Argentina after that holiday in Brazil, I went for some tests in the hospital. I was told it was something called a fibroadenoma, which is a benign um, a benign lump that was normal for someone my age and that the doctor was 99% sure it would go away within a few months. But if it didn't, I was welcome to go back to the hospital for further checks. Um, a few months later, I had moved to Dublin for the new job at Facebook and my mum was badgering me to get it checked again because the lump hadn't gone away. But it cost 60 euros to see a GP in Ireland. And I was reluctant to pay that because in the UK, we have the wonderful NHS, which is free, um, which is just something absolutely incredible. Um, I was reluctant to go to the doctors, but fortunately, with a bit of badgering, I did go back. And thank God I did, because um, it turned out I was in the 1%. And uh, another few months later, because it took a while to actually get all the tests, I was sitting in the hospital room hearing those words, you have cancer. My life completely changed in that moment. And over the next eight months, I had surgery, then chemotherapy, then radiotherapy, and I was effectively declared cancer-free. But back to that day, I did go back to the office and I had a panini. I don't remember what I had in it, probably some combination of parma ham, rocket and cheese, maybe. I went into the office and I told my boss and some of my colleagues that I'd just been diagnosed with cancer and that I was going to go home again and make a few phone calls. Now, from interviewing people on this podcast, um, so for example, Food and Heartbreak with Jesse Stevens and Food and Grief with Clover Stroud, I know it's really common for people to lose their appetites when they experience some kind of profound grief, but I don't think the news had quite sunk in yet and I was hungry. And also, I think I knew that I needed the nourishment and I needed the normality. Cancer changed everything for me, my career, my love life, even the way I eat and approach food. 
some of you will probably remember when lockdown happened and we were all saying we need to live for the day life is short I'm gonna go off and write a book or learn to make sourdough or banana bread or learn to speak French well being diagnosed with cancer is a little bit like that it acts as a catalyst for change and it acts as a catalyst to focus on the the simple things like making a nice cup of tea or eating organic vegetables as well as the bigger things like going after your dreams but when you survive for 10 years after a cancer diagnosis as I did as I have it's impossible to live every day as if it's your last because honestly most of us have to work for a living and also you'd run out of money but for me cancer caused me to reassess what I wanted out of life I stayed in a job writing about company mergers and financial news for far too long. Now, just to clarify, I loved that job. Um, It took me all over the world. I went to live in Brazil and Argentina and I I travelled lots. Um, But I didn't have enough passion, I don't think, for what I was writing about. And I was working long hours with a lot of stress and I wanted to write about food. So I went back to uni to do the master's degree that I'd always dreamed of and then I got a job working for the world's 50 best restaurants organisation. That change to a job in food turned out to be a huge part of my healing, not only because it was a bit of a dream job but also because of the travels and adventures I went on, not necessarily the work adventures but I would tag on a couple of days um, after or before a work trip to kind of experience the local place and I saw a lot of places in that way. Now, I know the job sounds glamorous, and yes, I did get to eat at restaurants like Osteria Francescana in Modena with Massimo Batura, Eleven Madison Park in New York, Noma in Copenhagen, and yes, I did interview the likes of Rene Redzepi and Heston Blumenthal. But most of the time, I was talking to people and getting into the minds of these world-class chefs. I was finding out about their childhoods and what drives them to work 100-hour weeks in crazy tough conditions for very little financial reward. I was even speaking to farmers and wine producers who were deeply, deeply passionate about what they were doing with new practices. People like Dan Barber in the US who has Blue Hill at Stone Barns and is doing amazing things with seed breeding. But I wasn't just learning about food. I was learning about people. I learned about women like Dominique Crenn, who was the first three Michelin starred female chef in the US and how she was adopted from an orphanage in France when she was tiny. I learned about the discrimination she suffered as a queer female immigrant chef when she moved to San Francisco. And that's one of the reasons that I had her on this podcast. I learned about Slovenian chef Anna Ross, a winner of the world's best female chef title and how a bowl of pasta in Italy was the only thing that gave her some semblance of of feeling human again after suffering a miscarriage at nine months into her pregnancy. These are the stories that we don't often hear about in the news and on TV cookery shows. So that is why I created this podcast, Life in Food, to tell the stories we don't often hear. Through my work at 50 Best, I also got to travel a lot and to experience things, often on my own, that I never would have experienced otherwise. I went to a restaurant called Leo in Bogota, Colombia, and I had a full tasting menu with the chef and was genuinely brought to tears by the amount of love and creativity that went into it. Every bite in the tasting menu represented a different part of Colombia's biodiversity and Leo was using ingredients that most Colombians had never heard of, let alone me, um, in the most extraordinary ways. One of my favourite dishes there was um, seared tuna in these big bottomed ants that they have, Santander ants. Um, And they would, uh, I think, roast or 
fry the roast or, to, or kind of toast the ants and and then crush them down into a coating which went around the seared tuna and it just had this amazing nutty taste that was fine dining but one of my favorite dishes in the world is also from Colombia and it's kind of a peasant soup called ajiaco which is made from chicken potatoes rice avocado um and a herb called huascas and where I, whenever I go to Colombia I sit and eat this soup which is one of the creamiest most delicious but also totally umami things you'll ever taste and I just sit and taste it like a ritual and just breathe and taste every bite and appreciate being alive and I had so many of those experiences by myself in the 10 years after after that breast cancer diagnosis of just sort of coming back to reality and thinking oh my god I'm I'm here I'm I'm alive to experience these things and when I was going through chemotherapy in the summer of 2012 I did actually write a list of places that I wanted to visit um and Colombia was one of them and I visited for the first time in 2015 and then again a couple of times uh, in the years following that with work and I just remember thinking like I have lived to to uh, to experience these things and and that's just incredible um, I have been to the Colombian store in Elephant and Castle in London a number of times to try and recreate that dish with varying results. As for my life, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I realised I needed to change my diet. I've always had a very good relationship with food, I uh, a very healthy appetite, lots of exercise. But I grew up in um, a household in Huddersfield where we ate Finder's crispy pancakes, toad in the hole and sometimes ready meals. If anyone's interested, you can listen to uh, the episode that I recorded with my parents on food and marriage in season one. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm not Rene Rizepi. I did not grow up slaughtering chickens with my own hands and learning exactly where my food came from. The closest I got to that kind of experience was seeing a rack of lamb being sliced at the Toby Carvery. So it took time to educate myself about how what I put in my mouth could really influence how long I survived cancer. Now that's not to say that I had that I ate badly. Um, my my parents always made sure I got good nutrients um, and cooked fresh things for us, but it, it it wasn't necessarily the sorts of things I eat today. So I started eating more organic vegetables and just eating way more vegetables in general. I'm not vegetarian or vegan because I do write about restaurants and that would make my job tricky, but I always go for non-alcoholic pairing in a tasting menu and I eat primarily vegetables at home. Then there's the act of cooking itself. You do not have to be a world-class chef to get something out of cooking a meal for yourself or for your family. So for most of the last decade, I was single and I didn't have a partner or kids to cook for, but it didn't matter. I would pick a recipe in a book, usually Jamie Oliver, to be honest, and I would spend an hour or so cooking a meal for six while listening to a podcast or an audio book. And if anyone needs any recommendations, I will send them over to you. No matter how much stress I was facing in my work or in my life, cooking a meal and then eating something I cooked myself would always, always, always help my mental health. And I'm not saying I don't sometimes order a takeaway or eat beans and toast, I do. But returning to the act of cooking a dish from scratch using the best quality ingredients I can afford is something I try to do at least once a week. And in fact, today I am cooking one of Ixter Belfrage's dishes from Ottolenghi's Flavour book. Some of you may have listened to my episode on food and grief with Clover Strout. Clover has an amazing... Um, story, an extraordinary story. Her mother suffered a massive brain injury from a horse riding accident when Clover was a teenager and spent 20 years severely disabled. Clover told me that she feels like her five kids never appreciate the meals she cooks for them. But then she told me how she remembered the meals her mother cooked for her before she had her accident and how powerful those memories are to her. And I realised that even though Clover doesn't think her kids appreciate her cooking now, when they look back in 20 years time, they will realise how much those home-cooked reels, meals really meant. When I was 18 years old, I went to live in the interior of Brazil, in the north of Brazil, near the Amazon, in a place called Palmas in Tocantins. I lived with a family and one of the fondest and strongest food memories of my life is being in the kitchen with the grandmother of the family, Dona Marli, who is a wonderful woman, who is a wonderful woman, And she taught me that you have to put love into your food by dancing around the kitchen. And I remember her, if I close my eyes, I can remember her um, in this kitchen in Brasilia, dancing around the pot, um, stirring the pot, shaking her bum. And that image still makes me smile all the time. So for me, food is about those memories. It's about experiencing the act of cooking and eating and the love that comes with that. That memory is something that I wove into one of the characters in my novel, Single Bald Female. Now, this is not a novel about food. It's a work of infi- it's a work of fiction inspired by my own life. It's about a woman who is diagnosed with breast cancer and starts online dating with a bald head. But if you read the novel, you'll see food is weaved through, throughout its pages. It's in the book's DNA because it's in my DNA. The main character in the book, Jess, grew up working in a tea rooms. Those tea rooms are based on my hometown near Homefirth, which some of you might remember was the setting for Last of the Summer Wine, the TV show. 
Jess has lost her mum and has stopped baking as a consequence, but there's a strong storyline about how she uses food and cooking as a tool for healing, which is also something that I talked about in season one. Anyway, I'm going to fast forward again now to 10 years on from my breast cancer diagnosis, which takes us to this summer. I had managed to survive a whole decade after my breast cancer diagnosis and I was about to turn 40. But I'd had a series of pains in my chest for about nine months and it was getting harder to ignore. In July, I was told the news that my breast cancer had spread to my bones and this time it was incurable. In other words, stage four secondary breast cancer. I had a seven centimetre tumour in my sternum bone. That's about the size of a peach. It's still there, in fact, but I'm hoping by now it's maybe like the size of a raisin because <laughs> I've been on drugs for the last few months and the pain has gone away. So I'm really, really hopeful. But it's a bit like when you're pregnant and you track the size of your baby with a series of different fruits. First, it's the size of a poppy seed, then it's a blueberry. And then the next thing you know, you've got a watermelon in there. Only I'm counting backwards and hoping the fruit gets smaller and smaller every day. But as you can tell, I think about food all the time. Anyway, when I was diagnosed, this time I couldn't eat, or I should say we couldn't eat. This time it was me and my partner, Mark. We were in it together. We both have ravenous appetites. We fell in love partly over a series of meals. Our third date was at the end of lockdown, and we sat outside a restaurant in Soho called Duck Soup under a single umbrella in the pouring rain. Um, As the meal progressed, the rain got heavier, and we realized that food uh, that sorry we realized that rain was dripping into our plates but we were having a really good time and we both really wanted to stay so we sort of pretended that it wasn't raining and huddled together and um yeah just huddled together to have an excuse to keep eating there anyway it's really saying something when neither of us can eat but after my diagnosis in July we both completely lost our appetites We knew we needed to eat and sporadically we would manage a piece of toast that we'd nibble our way through. But for those first few days, we had that horrible, hollow, heartbroken feeling in our stomachs where we just couldn't face putting anything into our bodies. On the day of my diagnosis, we got to the evening before we realised we really needed to eat something. And we walked down to the riverside where we live and um, we settled upon a Thai restaurant. I knew that if we ate there that day... I would probably never go back to that restaurant. Not that I've got anything against it, but the restaurant would be sort of guilty by association. Anyway, we managed to eat a full meal and we sat kind of trying to talk about normal stuff and then each time bringing the conversation back to the fact that I was going to die much sooner than we we had both hoped. Um, If you listen to the Clover Stroud episode, you'll hear her talk about how she experienced... um, how she experienced everything more vividly after her sister's death. She talks about um, she talks about seeing colours more brightly, like the trees and their leaves appearing much more vividly than they than they did before her sister's death because of that grief. And I experienced a bit of that. Only I experienced taste, smell, and touch so much more vividly. I know it sounds weird, but even though that week was one of the worst in my life, it was all also one of the best of my life because I felt everything so much more than than before I loved harder I grieved harder I tasted every bite of the food I put in my mouth 
Um, it was a bit like when people say they're at the end of their lives that everything becomes clearer and you appreciate the little things and feel every mouthful of the risotto you've just put in your mouth. And I have to say a couple of months have passed and I don't feel like that every day anymore. I have gone back to my normal life and actually, weirdly, I've lost my appetite um, due to the drugs that I'm taking. This has never happened in my life. I never lose my appetite. But the the strange thing that I've realized is that you can lose your appetite physically, but not mentally. So I'm still eating as ravenously as I did before, but because I want to eat and not because my body is telling me that I need to eat. So I don't, my stomach's not rumbling, but I, I enjoy food so much that I'm, I'm cooking and I'm eating and I'm nourishing myself and I'm enjoying eating the food. It's just, I just don't have that hunger that I had before, which is kind of weird because I've never had that in my life. Anyway, if you look back on your fondest and strongest childhood memories, it's rarely about the food itself. It could be a bag of chips with your parents on the roadside, or in my case, a bacon sandwich on white bread with tomato ketchup cooked by my dad, or my mum's Sunday roast with the most incredible Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes. It doesn't matter if the if the Yorkshire puddings are burnt or the potatoes didn't come out as you expected them to do. It's about the people. It's about who cooked it, how much love they put in. It's about eating around the table, even if it's not possible every day. It's about sharing those stories around the table, which is something that I talk about with um, both Nikki May on season one and with Charmaine Wilkerson on season two which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. It's about a dish you ate in some far-flung land that made you think about something new. Life is short so make every bite count. This episode was adapted slightly from a speech that I made for Ludlow Food Festival as part of the Slow Food Tent associated with the Incredible Slow Food Association, uh, which I did in September. And I wanted to share it with a wider audience because I thought that talking about food and life might make some of us think about what food means to us and what what associations it has with our families and our friends. And those are themes that I'm going to be continuing on with season two of this podcast. So coming up, we have Food and Family with the amazing Claire Powell, who wrote the novel At the Table. We also have Charmaine Wilkerson, the novelist behind Black Cake, which is being adapted for a TV series by none other than Oprah Winfrey, and which is also a favourite on Barack Obama's reading list. So um, yeah, that's one to look out for. And I also have an incredible episode on food and disability with the author Chloe Timms, who wrote The Sea Women. But it's not just authors on this podcast. We've also got chefs. We've got, um, well, some brilliant people lined up who you'll just have to wait for. So the next episode will be coming in two weeks time. And I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss it. And if you could, if you could do one thing for for me, if this, if my story has moved you and if you want to help me in some way, please go to the app that you're listening to this podcast on and give my podcast a rating, give it a review if you can. These things really, really, really help other 
people other listeners to to find the podcast as I said it's an independent podcast I don't have any marketing spend behind it I can't promote it other than on my own social media channels so I really 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 need you to to help me do that um if you would like to follow me on Instagram you can do so at Laura Price Writes that's Laura Laura Price W-R-I-T-E-S you can also subscribe to my newsletter Donuts for Breakfast on Substack where I'm writing about my um my breast cancer experience but I'm also writing about life and um career advice and learnings and the idea that it shouldn't take a life-changing illness to make life-changing decisions so hopefully you'll find something inspiring even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. On there. But for now, thank you so much for listening to Life and Food with Laura Price. Mm-hmm. 